tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap-a-roo. who I've been a fan of for a while, following a lot in, in, in the world of golf. Um, thanks so much for, for joining me today. My pleasure, Matt. Lovely to be with you. So can you give our, our listeners kind of a background of just what you've been doing in golf the past, you know, a couple of decades and, you know, where you started and where you are now? <laughs> well, as your uh, audience can hear, I'm, I'm not from here. Um, born and raised in Sydney, Australia. Uh, this is my 30th year in the in the sports media world, believe it or not. Um, I'm very much middle-aged these days, as my hairline probably suggests. Uh, I started off in the print media world, you know, back when, I learned to touch type on a typewriter and shorthand. I mean, that's how many moons ago it was. Uh, transitioned into television in 2000 around the Olympics. Um, I used to host uh, your equivalent of Sports Centre in the United States in Australia for about a decade. It was called Fox Sports News. Um, and then I uh, called Tiger's uh, big event in Australia, the one uh, that he won the Australian Masters, first appearance in 11 years. And wow. uh, then he, he got home from uh, that uh, famous event and crashed into a fire hydrant and everything blew up in his life <laughs> um, the very next day. So uh, I said to my bosses, well, I called his last event before everything went uh, south in Tiger's life. How about I head to the Masters uh, at Augusta? I'd always wanted to go there and I'll call his return in 2010. I did that. And um, that was when a, a network in Australia who basically has the golf, a bit like a CBS in the States, asked me to front golf going forward for them. So I went from being an all sports guy to a golf guy in 2010. Um, <clears throat> Ian Baker Finch was my right-hand man in Australia. And uh, after the first year of working together, he just turned to me and he said, what are you doing here? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing here? I've got Ian Baker Finch. Uh, the voice for Australia on the PGA Tour and a major champion on one side, and I've got Wayne Grady, uh, another you know, major champion and voice on the European Tour for Australia on the other side of me. I'm, I'm living my dream. Yeah, He's like, he goes, mate, uh, you're very good at what you do. You should come to the States with me. And, and he sort of introduced me into that world from then on. And that's pretty much our transition for me from uh, Australia into the United States and then started working you know, with PGA Tour Entertainment and CBS Sports and uh, golf channel and i've been able to work from all now that's amazing and i and the whole time you're talking i'm just picturing myself playing pga 2k because <laughs> your voice is just resonates now with the, with the with the video game it is funny that that's how a lot of people know me um you know as i said this is 30 years for me in the media but most people remember me from a video <laughs> game or know me from a video game and it's hilarious i get a lot of hate mail from people like man you're hard on me why, why are you so <laughs> critical of my game and i'm like <laughs> But it's a video game. I record a thousand lines and they put them in when they see appropriate. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I have no control over it. What was that experience like doing the voiceover for the video game? Really cool. Um, I did the first one back in 2018. Uh, that was called the Golf Club 2019. Yep. Um, if you remember, golfers who remember this really cool indie game that had the PGA Tour element to it, they brought me in for that. And then uh, that went really well. And then 2K Sports jumped on board and did PGA Tour 2K21, which Rich Beam joined me for that one. Uh, Beamer and I have broadcast a lot together in the years. And uh, he's a phenomenal guy. He's the right kind of character for a video game. Um, and then obviously things blew up with that one because that was around the pandemic. That got launched sort of in that summer of 2020 when the whole world was you know, pretty much locked down and everyone was looking for things to do. Uh, and then obviously then Tiger signs on as the executive director and a 10 year exclusive deal with this one. So now 2K23 has gone huge as well. So made fun to be a part of. It's completely different to, you know, broadcasting because when you're live at an event, you're calling it as you see it. We're here, you're sort of given a scenario and they'll say, oh, here's sort of a, a line or, a, or a, a situation. And then we just riff, we just go off and, you know, lay about eight different lines down and then they'll go, okay, we, we've got enough good takes there. We'll go to the next one. And I think we recorded for eight, eight full six hour days of recording. Uh, so wow. it's a lot of content. <clears throat> yeah. Jeez. That's awesome. Um, mm. All right. Well, I guess we'll get into here to some, some, uh, some live stuff because I know a lot of people want to hear, hear about that. And that's kind of, what straight into it, huh? yeah. yeah, straight into <laughs> it, straight into it. Um, because I think just that's the biggest, one of the biggest storylines in golf. And I think maybe it's going away for that now with so many big, great events on the PGA tour coming up and then you get live, the live season starting up. But right now it's just kind of like number one question I have for you is, is there a solution with both current 
commissioners that could, you know, that these two tours could coexist? Or is it going to be a battle forever? Not certainly not forever, no. Um, but not for the foreseeable future. Uh, any real coming together, of course, as everyone knows, there's a massive uh, lawsuit uh, going on. Both sides have sued each other. Obviously, Liv uh, sued the PGA Tour with an antitrust, <clears throat> and then uh, I think PGA Tour came back with a collusion lawsuit. I'm not exactly sure if that's 100% correct, but it's something along those lines. Um, and uh, and it's that's you know the gloves are off. It's it's a it's a full blown uh, fight. Um, but I've lived through a couple of these in Australia with Australian sport, uh, World Series cricket of the late 70s, early 80s. It'll mean nothing to your American audience, but a wealthy Australian bought cricket effectively and, and, and overturned the establishment because um, he said, look, you know, these players deserve more money and made it more entertaining. And um, after about three years of a lot of warring and banning players and you, if you signed with the rebels, if you will, uh, you weren't allowed to play for the establishment, a bit like exactly how the PGA Tour has gone about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but within a couple of years, they realised that there's no strength of both rival competitions. So they ended up finding a way to come together. Um, they needed each other, if you will. So that ended up having a very happy ending and cricket exploded because of it <clears throat> globally. Um, and then we've had in, in our rugby league, which is very similar to your uh, NFL, mm-hmm. it was called the Super League War. And that was in the mid 90s. And again, something very similar. It was Rupert Murdoch's News Limited came in to buy Rugby League off the establishment, split it up. They began a big war. You know, major stars went to both sides. And after a year and a half of trying to have two separate competitions, they realised we're we're not strong enough. We need to come back together. So they found some way to sit down at the table and sort through their differences. And that's exactly what will happen here. Golf's just not strong enough to run two warring competitions. And you know, if I can try and cut through the core of why I've been uh, what people call pro-live, but positive about live, is that had Jay Monaghan simply answered the phone call from Greg Norman two years ago when he said, hey, Jay, I've got something I want to propose to you that we can fit within the golf ecosystem, the current golf ecosystem, let's do it because we're going to mm-hmm. go ahead. Right. And all Jay Monaghan had to do was pick up the phone and go, all right, Greg, tell me what you've got. Whether he likes him or not, that's irrelevant. Right. He's a life member of the PGA Tour, showing the respect of a phone call or a meeting. Let's sit and discuss this, work out what he's trying to do. Greg would have given him the blueprint of what he's trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And then Jay could work out, well, whether they want to go ahead or not. But by Jay going cold black, cold blanking him, just ignoring him for the entire time, not even answering a phone call, well, he's now lit a fuse under a guy who already had uh, previous issues with the tour. And he's like, right, you don't want to work with me? <clears throat> You're about to work against me. And if there's one thing that Greg Norman has never uh, struggled at, uh, that is business. Uh, he's probably had a better business career than he has as a golfer. And he's a Hall of Famer and one of the you know, arguably top 10 or 20 players of all time. So unfortunately, now we find ourselves in this ugly situation of uh, basically a golf war when it didn't need to be that way. Do you think if Jay could go back in time to, to that moment, he would do it differently or too stubborn? If he, if he didn't, Matt, that is a colossal failing on him because everyone can see it very plainly that that was a massive mistake to yeah. start out with. Yeah. So you and I were kind of talking off the air a little bit how both of us, you know, just because you're pro-live or you don't have a problem with live or you, you think it mm. could possibly be good in the long run, that people paint you as anti-PGA tour and right. that it's just not right. the case. You could, can you right. like both? Of course you can like both. Absolutely. Everyone goes, Oh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I said, look, I don't come from the United States. I don't live in your world of divisiveness that you seem to have in your country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have a foot in both camps I, in, in everything I do in life. I'm a centrist. I have a foot in both camps. There's things about the left I like. There's things about the right I like. And you just try and fit within that. And honestly, most people seem to be like that. Yeah. It's just that we don't get any government that wants to back us or support us like that. But in this situation, they're like, if you aren't hating live, that means you're against us, the PGA Tour. I'm like, of course not. I've been working on the tour for 12, now 13 years, broadcasting all these tournaments. I've sent over 25,000 positive and promoting tweets blessing the pga tour i am a uh, i have a number of friends playing out on the pga tour 
uh, I have, uh, I'm the voice of the PGA Tour video game, as you alluded to, my arms are still very much wide open for PGA Tour golf. I'm watching the Pebble Beach, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am right now. <clears throat> I love it. I love those. But Monterey Peninsula is my favorite place on earth. I love PGA Tour golf. Yep. But it's, it's okay to like something else that has a, a different vibe to golf. Uh, one thing I found over my last couple of years broadcasting is it became particularly stale. The PGA Tour has served meat and three veg for 50 years. Yep. Four rounds of 72-hole stroke play golf and has not changed one iota. The only thing they had <clears throat> against every other tour on earth was more money. Right. So then Liv come along with even more money or basically an unlimited stream of money and go, right, we're going to do something different. Now, it's the first time the PGA Tour has ever taken someone else that seriously that they're going to ban people from going to play elsewhere because they've never stopped people from playing elsewhere ever before. Right. It, it's almost like, you know, the, how the European tour, they lost all their stars to the PGA tour when the PGA tour is coming up. Like I source the money. You don't need to talk about that, whatever. It's just, that's different. But the fact that the European tour was losing all their stars when back, you know, in the seventies and eighties, it was more equal between the two tours. And then they lose all their players to the PGA tour. Like, is there really that much of a difference in what's going on right now? Not one iota, Matt. Uh, <clears throat> my tour, the Australian PGA Tour. Back in the 80s when Norman was the number one guy in golf, we had 25 events every summer. It'd go for six months and all the stars, uh, Nicholas, Palmer, Player, Watson, Ballesteros, Faldo, Price, all these legends, Cal Gavecchia, they'd all come. Freddie, they'd all come to Australia because the PGA Tour season went from basically March through to September. So that mm. left from September through to March for a country like Australia to host tournaments. But then the PGA Tour went from the first week of January to the third week of December, we were screwed. No room for golf in Australia. So it's basically become extinct. Now, some of that's been because of Australia's poor handling, but also because there's no room to compete. So all our best players have to fly over to the United States to compete. Have the PGA Tour benefited from the likes of um, Adam Scott, Jason Day, obviously Norman and Elkington and Baker Finch at the start of it, and you know, Jeff Ogilvy and Allenby and Appleby and Baddeley and all these guys that have played on the PGA Tour, now recently Leishman and Cam Smith and whatever, have they benefited from all these Aussies play there? Of course they have. Right. They didn't, the Australians didn't go to play there for anything else but money. It's the whole reason why they moved over there because the, that's the biggest tour because it's got the most money. Same with Europe. All those legends started coming across to the United States to play on the PGA Tour because why? They had the most money. But, no other but, reason. No, no. <laughs> Zero other reasons. You can, you can sit here and talk to me, oh, but they just want to play against the best in the world. The reason why all the best in the world are there is because of the most money. And, and the professional athletes. And like, that's what I was trying to say. I, we, I do have some Australian listeners. So I was talking to a couple of them um, via DM on Twitter and I was talking about like, the egocentricism that the that Americans have in terms of this entire thing, like most countries don't look at look at it the same way Americans look at it. Like Cam Smith, why does he owe the PGA Tour anything? Like they don't go to Australia anymore. Um, he has the opportunity to leave for more money, and in a place where the PGA Tour has kind of abandoned Australia, right? I mean, they used they why couldn't they have like a WGC instead of China go to go to uh, Melbourne? I'm, I'm going to say something that might get me in trouble here, but I'm not going to give away names. Two years ago, one of the top Australian players was asked uh, to go to live. And he said, absolute no-brainer, I'm going to sign. But before he did, he went and sat down with the PGA Tour and said, um, this is what I'm going to do. And they go, oh, please don't go. He goes, all right, well, this is what I ask for. You set up uh, a tour in Australia, a bit like you've got PGA Tour Canada, PGA Tour Latin America. Australia's become a great nursery for you over the years of, of talent coming to your tour. So you set up a tour there that helps my countrymen and women find their way over to the PGA Tour and have a PGA Tour event there every year. And they said, oh, won't be doing that. I said, all right, see you later. Yeah. Now, this person didn't go, by the way. He didn't go to live. But that was the straight response from the PGA Tour is, sorry, we're not there to help you. Now, right. why would any Australian go, oh, let's save the PGA Tour? 
They care zero about us, except when they come to have the President's Cup once every 11 years, because they benefit from that. Because Royal Melbourne is a masterpiece. People love to see it. It's a phenomenal time of year. And Australia is a brilliant golf and sports nation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's all, you know, very good points there. And do you think um, those guys, you know, who who went for live, um, you know, Cam, do you think they should have been in the President's Cup? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, again, uh, mistake number two, or of the biggest mistakes for uh, the PGA Tour, that's been number two, is uh, cold banning every player that's gone. Uh, the reason why that was a mistake was now, uh, what a, let's say 15 of the top 50 in the world, but eight to 10 of the sort of big names mm-hmm. <clears throat> now can't ever play on your tour. So now sponsors who might, see that these massive draw cards now no longer playing on the tour are not there. So the PGA Tour can't boast that they're going to have the, the biggest field or strongest field in golf every week, which their TV contracts are tied to. Now, if that's the case, you've basically cut off your own leg. You've amputated one of your limbs because you're going cold, cold brush these guys. They're done. That will never hear of them again. In fact, they've erased their own history. They didn't. Uh, talk about Cam Smith at all when the um, event happened there at um, in Maui that he was the defending champ of. Um, they didn't even show highlights of uh, DJ's phenomenal tee shot on 12 that he went on to win and uh, Brandel Chambly at the time in a, a wonderful case of hyperbole called it the greatest golf shot ever hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Bubba's driver off the deck on 18, one of the great golf shots of all time. Uh, big sweeping cut, not erased, erased from history. Now, by doing this and erasing all your history, you're not going to have your own tournament's biggest, your biggest tournament's champion in Cam Smith's not going to be able to defend there. So no longer the fifth major because the best players in the world aren't there. What you have done is you have basically hurt yourself by making that decision. But people say, well, well what, what could they do? They've gone to a rival company. I said, guys, I want you to re- remind you that the PGA Tour is not a company. It is a sports body. Mm-hmm. It is a non-for-profit on one side, an awkward situation, mind you, and it is a company on the other. So if you want to be the best possible company you can be and every person who works for you or on your tour is an independent contractor, well, say to them, okay, guys, playing five events a year, you pick them. You won't get points to play in the FedEx Cup. You won't get you know, uh, certain benefits of being a full-blown tour member. But pick five events. We need you to play in five events, and, and that's good with us because we can say, hey, Dustin's going to be at this one. Cam's going to be at this one. Brooks going to be at that one. Right. Whack in Neiman, a rising star. Like, you, you'd never want him to play on your tour ever again. I mean, this guy was arguably one of the greatest amateurs of all time. And they're like, nope, don't want to borrow him. We're done. You think, my God, you guys are <laughs> – that's crazy. I completely agree. And then you have guys like who are kind of up and comers who now, just like a couple of days ago, they made the rule where if you play, then you could be banned for a year, even if you were never a PGA Tour member. So you got like Eugenio Chikara or uh, James Pyatt or, um, uh, you know, Puig, the, the kid from ASU. Like now they can never. So they can't go to Q school or, the, uh, or do any of these things now. So, you know, yeah. is there a path for those guys to ever come back, do you think? Yeah, they will when there's that that coming back together. All that stuff will go away. But it is very, uh, I want to say, a poor decision by the tour. It Mm -hmm. was a poor decision, one of a few they've made in all this, because they were reactionary. They were never proactive. They've always been reactive. Right. So you make poor decisions when you're under pressure, and that's been, you know, one of them. Um, I, I saw Bob Harrig the other day for Sports Illustrated say an okay, <clears> interesting <throat> kind of idea that I think, you know, seems pretty cool. Like if if Liv mm. could get a qualifying system, and it's not necessarily to to appease the you know the world ranking system or anything, but just to make it um, a way for guys to get on. Like if they had a um, a qualifier where the top three guys get to play in the event as a team, do you think it's a good idea? I loved it. I, I, you know, and Bob's been one of those very neutral mm-hmm. uh, journalists through all this. Uh, I think he and Alan Shipnuck have probably been the two standouts yeah. of the you know old world media crowd that I I know very well. Um, you know, they've basically just said how it is. They've talked about the pros and cons of both sides of the fence without any bias whatsoever, and that was a great idea. Um, I am sure that uh, Greg and the Live Golf 
um, team are working out their best formula. But they had their plan. This was their plan, and they were going down that path, and they've executed it <clears throat> quite brilliantly in their first year, if you wouldn't mind me saying. Um, and year two is going to be only even better. Uh, so you know, maybe that'll be something they do go down the path of in the future, Matt, because it's a, it was a, it was a very good idea, no question. Yeah. Because what it does to people, it says, hey, look, we aren't a closed shop. We do want you know, there's got to be some promotion and relegation of players, and if someone's capable of playing their way onto the tour, and they can. Brilliant! What a great success story. Yeah, and people would tune in to watch that. I think I think it's, that's that's totally right. Um, and you know, one thing that I think Liv has been doing is it seem they seem more open to opinions from their players on what might be a good idea. Like it seems like they have a lot of say in kind of what's going on. Mm. Which which Liv event did you go to? I think I think Boston. I mean, you were you were that phenomenal one with DJ, right? Yeah. Um. I, well, I I went. Uh, to, I think to the next one or the one after that, the one in Chicago. Yep. And um, the first thing I found when I got to go to the Pro-Am draw party with all the players is just how relaxed and at ease they were. You know, I went to thousands of these events on the tour and every time it was, you know, everyone was rigid and uptight and they'd do their speech and then they'd bail out. But these guys were there till the end and it's like a frat party. It's like, yep. how was this? It was just, completely relaxed because all the restrictions that have been on them from the tour don't say this don't tweet that don't be like this fit in our nice neat conservative box because that's how we want to produce our package and sell it to the world because no one swears over here and no one's done drugs and no one's committed adultery and you're like guys grow up we are a, a bunch of adults let's be adults and do what we do and we've seen straight away you, you said at the very start, you know, one of the biggest stories in golf. In my time, there has never been a bigger story in golf. And I've been playing the game for 40 years. I've been broadcasting it for 25 years. And I've been in thick of it here in the United States for the last 12 to 13 years. And there's been nothing that's come as close to this in terms of a sports story. Now, Tiger being Tiger was just a colossus. But this war that people have been talking about, people who have zero interest or knowledge about golf they're talking about this because it's very much a business war as much as it is a sports war and you know we've seen the saudis um basically the pga tour is a rounding error to them they could literally write a check tomorrow and go guys there's five billion uh, we don't ever want to hear from you again we've bought you out right and to speak to your point i was at a bar like a couple months ago i tweeted this and i was looking across and there's just like five or six guys who just come off the course and went to the bar to get a drink and um, the first thing they started talking about was live in PGA. They're talking about Norman and one of them hated Norman. One of them mm. loved Norman. And there's, and these are guys that are just casually, they're not watching the Pebble Beach program. They're probably watching the majors and, you know, and whatever. So the fact that those people are talking about it obviously shows how big of a story it is. Right. Cause everyone has something to care about now. Yeah. Whereas you, you tune into a PGA tour event and it's like this nice guy beat this nice guy and this nice guy came third and everyone goes, yay. Right, and, and that, but now the, that's the heroes and villains, which every great story has. They never write a movie where everyone's a nice guy. They all work hard. They all make uh, a successful life and live happily ever after. That never writes, never has. There's always some tragedy or some adversity or some villain that you know comes to spoil the fun, and then all of a sudden, what a great finale! And a good example of that, of that was the DP World Tour event last week when you had Reed and Rory going at it. And would anyone be talking about that if it wasn't? A live player versus a PGA Tour player? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, the irony of all this is the DP World Tour, mind you, backed by a huge oil company, um, DP World, uh, big, big Arab Emirates company, uh, mm -hmm. $500 billion worth of money, uh, astounding wealth. Um, but that's okay compared to Saudi's oil money, which is just different because, you know, for some reason. Uh, <laughs> They're like, this is incredible. We partner with the PGA Tour. We do everything we can um, because our judicial system is different in the United States. We might lose here and these players who are members on our tour might be able to play on our tour. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, we've won both ways. We've signed with the PGA Tour. So they've paid us a bunch of money. We now have a pathway for our players onto the PGA Tour. So they're happy, the members. And then now we can bring out all these guns 
who are the Cam Smiths and the DJs and the Brooks and the Brysons and the Patrick Reeds and Phil Mickelson, the big rating guys, and Lee Westwood and Poulter and Garcia, these Stents and um, Kyman, these Ryder Cup legends, are all going to play on your tour, but they're now the Antichrist because they're part of Live, and you benefit both ways. It's like, talk about just throwing a Hail Mary and catch it and go, wow, how did this work out? Do you think Pelly hopes they lose that lawsuit and they can those guys can play on the tour? That's the best thing for I, them, right? I, yeah, I, I joked that that I said, has anyone ever lost a, a lawsuit and been happier because of the yeah. outcome of losing? It literally is that outcome. But look, of course, people, oh, this, this is not good for golf and this doesn't work. You know, we're in a, a strategic alliance. The PGA Tour, as I pointed out with Australia, um, cared nothing about any other part of the world until they were forced to. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, no, no, they're growing the game. They care about, they've signed with Japan and Korea and you know, they're going global. And you're like, oh, guys, please read through this. Uh, it's pretty easy to see through. Um, they're doing it because they're having to. They're fighting for their survival. Uh, but they didn't need to. If they didn't ban players, they wouldn't be fighting for their survival. They'd be just going along as the very strong. 72 hole stroke play meritocracy world where the best and the predominantly most best players play. Do you, so when you're and in Chicago, you'd have live, which would be entertainment and energy and fun and new and team and dynamic type of golf, different crowd, different audience. Brilliant. You've got meat and free veg and you've got a different flavor of food over here. That's phenomenal. It's like a buffet. You can eat whatever you want that night. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you were at the Pro-Am in Chicago, do you did the, any of the guys say anything to you about, because people are kind of pushing this narrative that all, a lot of these players are regret what they did and they're going to make, they know it's a mistake and now when they can't get world ranking points and they're not going to be able to play in majors eventually and all these things. Did you get the sense that any of them regretted it or do you, or behind closed doors or when you guys were on the, on the range and whatever, did they seem happy about their decision? Like a pig in poo, if you can excuse an expression, never seen them happier. Uh, not an ounce of buyer's remorse. In fact, quite the opposite. They could not be more excited and rejuvenated. As I said, I've never seen them like this. DJ and I were basically for 12 years, hey, mate, you know, fist bump. Every time we see each other, quick chat on the range. He and AJ, how you doing? What's going on with your game? How's things? Barely any conversation. He's got his arm around me. How good's this? Look, are you coming over? Are you coming to join us? You're going to love it. Hey, he, you know, introducing me to his family and friends. And you're like, mate, Who's this guy? And they're all like that. They could not be happier. It's like this weight is a weight of the world's off them. Now, it's not to say they didn't like the PGA Tour. They had a ball. They achieved great things on it. They did wonders for that tour and vice versa. But mm-hmm. they're just in this space of, oh. And you've heard them. You've heard them this, this week when they've come back to playing that Saudi International. I've never been this rested. I've had three straight months off. I feel reinvigorated. Brooks Kepka. I've got to spend three months at home with my buddies, with my new wife. My life's grand. I feel good. My body's ready to go again. I'm energized. Great for the game. It's great for him. It's exciting all around. And name me one person that's going to stand there and go, we should have more PGA Tour events. There's not enough in the schedule. No. You could take 20 events off the PGA Tour now and no one would miss them. No. Besides the... A lot of people in my space, the hardcore gamblers and, and daily fantasy players. And that's and that's kind of another thing I wanted to ask you with Liv. Like, and that's the one reason but why. Can, but Matt, on, on that, bet on a tour in bet on the tour in Asia, bet on the tour in yep. Europe. If you want to, if you like to bet, I'm an Aussie, mate. We're, we're degenerate gamblers. We'll bet on two flies crawling up a wall. I like <laughs> a bet. There's, I'll find somewhere to have a bet if I want to have a bet. You're right. There's plenty of place to have a bet. It's just not in your backyard. Instead of flying to the Quad Cities this week, you're in. Egypt or Czechoslovakia or Rome. Yeah. And the, the one thing with live that's been tough for a lot of people, because again, my timeline is flooded with all the people who gamble and play DFS and it's about with live and not necessarily the, the, the moral concerns and all the stuff people talk about. But for me, my issue of getting into it as much as I'd, I'd like to, I have no, again, I have no problem with it is the 48 man field is small. So the odds aren't good. And then there's no cut. So it makes DraftKings and daily fantasy. Like, so that's the reason for me, that's been hard to get into. Is there, do you think there's right. one, is there any way they expand the fields 
or in, in, include a cut? I don't think there's any plans to, no. Um, if it becomes uh, absolute, you, you will never get world ranking points if that's the case, even though we all know that the official world golf rankings have basically become redundant now. Um, it, no, I doubt it, because the model wasn't based around that. The, the modelling, so everyone understands, and I'm sure they've had the chance to learn a bit more about it if they really care, it is simply around the, the team aspect and franchises. That's all it is. It's, it's building around these huge franchises. Now, I played with Abe, Amber, Abe, Abe, Abe Anser, Abraham Anser, who won this uh, event in Saudi brilliantly, and Carlos Ortiz in that program in Chicago. Now, they're Latin America. That's who they're representing, basically, with Mexico. Um, massive nation that's, you know, if this opens golf to their world. There's hundreds of millions of people in that nation. They're now going to be a team that can represent that nation or that region and go to that many people so then they're, they're going to be on ESPN Spaniel. They're going to get their own separate channel. They'll have enormous contracts based on that region because they're going to be on television every single week or every event. That's 14 events. And they'll build this massive following because that's the nation that you're following. That's the team you're following. And they right. were so excited about this because they said, unless I was in contention in a tournament, they'd never show me because I don't rate for CBS Sports or I don't rate for the American audience, NBC Golf Channel, whoever it's on. Mm -hmm. they needed the Brooks, the Brysons, the Phils, the DJs, Rory's Tigers, whatever. They needed the absolute superstar or you weren't on television. You didn't make a feature group. But now they get all this coverage. There'll be a huge attention. And that, that whole purpose of that team, which is going to become a franchise, that was the big play for all of these guys. Right. Yep. S speaking of television, another thing that's kind of <clears throat> been annoying to me on Twitter is just the moving of the goalposts. And everyone said, you know, this is not even on TV. It's YouTube. What a joke. It only has this many views. Then they get the CW deal. And everyone says, well, YouTube was the only cool thing about live. You could just open up your phone and, and watch the app. Now no one's going to be able to do that anymore. And the goalposts continue just to move. Yeah, because they're feeling pain, Matt. They're hurt. Their beloved PGA Tour and their world that they loved with golf had all these people in the one place. And they loved that. It was very convenient for them. But as you mentioned, it's very US centric. Three of the four majors are there. All the WGCs are there. Most of the big things happen in the United States. So everyone else can't, they cannot survive. No other part of the world can survive. They've all got to come to the American um, product and, and keep pumping up the PGA tour. But now it's started to spread it all around all other countries can start to get fed again. And that's very good. It's, it's great for the game. This is why I've been a huge proponent of a global tour, much like tennis has, for all, my, all of my professional life. I completely agreed with Norman's mentality back in the early 90s. Why should one nation have all the benefits of all the great players in the world when they didn't cultivate one of those talents? Not one of them. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're right. So then uh, why, do they have a right, why do they have a right to them if they didn't breed any of them, they didn't create one of them, why do they then have a right to them if they're actually their own companies employing a number of people to play golf around the world? Why does the PGA Tour have the right to control them? Right, they of course don't. they don't. Yeah, yeah. Right. But so all these people that got angry about golf being segregated or separated, they need something to blame. That is why people like me and you and people who have said anything positive about live golf on social media get called live bots and you know um you know, people that take blood money from the saudis and you know all these constant denigrating thoughts because they they are just angry at what they used to have they don't have anymore mm -hmm. yeah but if the rest of the game is benefiting around the world because of it then fantastic that's great it's really healthy is, is the reason the rest the rest of the world benefiting because now these other stars from other countries can be featured like they weren't featured on the PGA tour. Right. So uh, when I came across the States in 2010, I was covering the Australians on the PGA tour and I took this proposal um, to the PGA tour back then is that I would host a series of clips of highlights throughout the course of a day of all of our guys. And I'd interview a couple of them who played well and whatever. And I'd send that back to Australia at the end of every broadcast every day. Because if they weren't in contention, we never saw them. Right. So for 48 weeks of the year, we never saw any of these guys unless they were in contention to win something. But we had Allenby, Appleby, Baddeley, um, 
Ogilvy, Scott, you know, now Leishman came along. He was the rookie of the year in 09, so he was just emerging on the tour at that time. Jason Day came in and went, became a, a, a superstar of the game. You know, that awesome run during the middle of that 2010s decade. But we could never see them. If they no. weren't in contention, no show. So we miss out. Now, that's not healthy for Australians who yearn to see the best of their you know, talent because they can't see them at home. So, of course, it's going to benefit the rest of the world that all these nations, you know, the young Thai players that are starting to emerge. Um, just Asia as a region, I, I posted, I said, you know, you can feel the balance of power shifting into Asia now because they've got the most money and they have the most people. Yep. So over time, over the next 15 to 20 years, this power shift into Asia is going to happen because that's where good players will go and ply their trade and off they go. And it will flourish. And there's 1.3 billion Chinese and there's 1.1 billion Indians. And there's, you know, half the world's population basically lives in, in Asia, somewhere in Asia. It's going to flourish. Do you think Liv's going to be the tour that they aspire to get on? It's, again, I think that you're going to find there's going to be some sort of coming together here in a few years um, because it has to be. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be called Live Golf in or whatever, or Live will be a portion of it. I'm not sure. But what I'm hoping it is, and um, if you've been following me on Twitter, you'll sort of you know, get that sense, is that I want it to be one global tour, that all the tours, like the PGA Tour, the Australian Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Asian Tour, and this tour, and that tour, all feed into one global tour, much like tennis has. And they travel all around the world playing all these events. And you've got your, your majors and your, they call them master series events. We call them WGCs or your elite ranking events. There's about eight to 10 of them a year. Then you've got 500 events, like half point events. Then there's 250 point events. So there's tiers of tournaments mm -hmm. all the way around the world. But they, all these players go around the world as independent contractors playing on all these amazing tournaments around the world. And there's enough talent in the game to do that. And then the, the WGC type events would be, you know, the top 20 players from each tour. Uh, we, we're not top play, 20 players from each tour. By then, they should have a better world ranking system to find the best players on earth. Mm -hmm. So you'd have the, a bit like tennis is, you know, they're, they're top 100 ranked players live all around the world. They don't just live in the United States because the tour doesn't just stay in the United States. It goes all around the world. So then you get the 100 best players and they go and play an event or 140 or whatever the field need, needs to be. However they choose that tournament or that event to be, could be match play, 64 players. How many people are relevant? But they're the best in the world coming from all over the world to play in that one event. That sounds Brilliant. amazing. I think that's what, what all of us want. Yeah, it sounds perfect. That's, that's what I want as a, as a golf fan. Right. Um, right. And, and how good is it? Because Italy gets to thrive. Um, Thailand, where you know usually it's an afterthought, they've got this 15-year-old wonder kind. TK. This guy is unbelievable. TK, right? He's phenomenal. But Americans go, who? What? Yeah. Don't know him, mate. No. I'm like, are you kidding? This guy's probably the biggest future star of the game. He might be the, the, the Asia's Tiger Woods. Yeah. But because be. he's not born in the United States and playing the PGA Tour, nobody. Tom Kim, another example. Tom Kim grows up in South, South Korea, fabulously talented kid. Wins the Asian Tour Order of Merit, wins the Japan, Japanese Tour of Order of Merit, then comes over to play in the United States because he's world class and he deserves to. And then everyone goes, wow, this Tom Kim's amazing. Mm -hmm. How good is he? What a breath of fresh air. And you're like, well, how do you think he got here, kids? Do you think he just went poof and became a world class player in the United States? Of course not. Right. Yep. Um, do you think? Are you surprised that, so speaking of, I agree with all that stuff. It's all, you know, exactly how I feel. And do you think, I'm a little surprised with Adam Scott and Hideki that they didn't, um, that they're being so loyal to the PGA Tour and especially Scott, that he joined the council and like, it, it didn't, it just seems like, you know, all the Australians kind of went together and kind of spoke about how important they think bringing golf to Australia is and all these things. And then, but then Scott joins the, the advisory committee for the PGA Tour and he kind of goes all in with that. Well, what happened there is there was supposed to be a deal between Adam Scott and Liv. Uh, it didn't go ahead for whatever reason. And <clears throat> the offer was retracted. It was offered to Cam Smith, the newly minted Open champion. He's gone, love to. 
and I want to bring my mate Mark Leach with, with me. Mm -hmm. So the reason why Adam is no longer at Live is because he was going to be given one of the team captain positions. So he'd have 25% ownership of the Australian team. But once it was then given to Cam, because Adam balked at the start, well, then Cam's now the captain. So Adam's not going to be a captain. So he's going to be just a player on a team and it's not worth his while anymore. So right. instead of being all in, he has to be then all out. And then he goes, well, if I'm all out, I might as well be all in on the tour. Plus I get to keep my legacy as one of the you know highest step of money winners and playing majors because he's desperate to win that second major and mm -hmm. all these things that were important to him. And he stays. Now, Hideki was simply money. That was the, that was the whole situation. Uh, he was being offered reportedly $300 million to front the Japanese team uh, that was going to be playing on the um, live tour. And uh, last minute, the US tour knew, the PGA tour knew that it would be too much of a financial loss for them not to have the Japanese audience. So they paid him a bunch to stay on the tour and he stayed. Um, yeah. Just a financial decision. You know, Rory's being paid by the PGA tour and DP world tour to stay. Um, tens of millions of dollars. That's fine. He chose to. It's not yeah. any different to, you know, someone else taking 50, 100 million to play on live. No different. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that has nothing to do with why he says all the things he's been saying over the past six months or so. Well, I don't know anyone who's ticky tacked back and forth between their opinions more than Rory McIlroy over the last 12 months. He has, I feel this way. Now I feel this way. Now I feel this way. Now I feel this way. And it's, you know, unfortunately he is not the puppeteer. He is the puppet. And it's sad because he is such a phenomenal young man and a phenomenal golfer, you know, generational talent. Just wish we could celebrate the way he plays rather than pick holes in what's what he's having to say. But you know, don't criticise your European tour, uh, European Ryder Cup mates for making a decision that you were have basically made on the other side of the fence. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay, I have, I have some quick hitter questions for you. you Give me a lot of your time, so I, I want to get some uh, quick just answers to these questions. The first one um, is everyone always asks who's the best player in the world, but I and but then that creates a bunch of questions. What course are you playing at? All these things that are other factors. So the way I phrase it is when I ask people this question, I say, if the aliens came down from space and said, we want a five on five uh, golf match, could be, you don't know if it's stroke play, match play, what kind of course it's on, you're gonna take five guys with you to fight for humanity. What five are you taking? As of right now or in the- Right know, now. Right now, right now. Uh, Ram, Rory, Cam Smith, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. I think that's my five too. The the fifth, I, I was going back and forth between Thomas and, and Cantlay and maybe another one, but the, those four were completely set for me. And it, it's kind of funny about the DJ thing. And that's another, that's another question I'm going to get into. Do you think Dustin Johnson can win a major this year? <laughs> if he's not one of the top five favorites, I'll be stunned. You watch it. This is, this is something I'll say. So your audience can you know, clearly understand it. Do you want to know? who the top ranked players in the world are properly. Have a look at the odds makers for the bets or the field they set and the odds they set for the masters. That is exactly where they see the world rankings at that time mm -hmm. is the value of what they are. And if Cam Smith is at five to one or sorry, 15 to one to win the masters and in fourth place, they think he's the fourth best player on earth. Right. And it's, it's funny. Cause I, um, I bet Dustin Johnson to win. I couldn't bet the Masters because, like you said, he's too—he's like fourteen or sixteen to one, so he's too short. But I bet him at the U.S. Open, the Open Championship, um, both at twenty-eight to one, which I think is crazy. Uh, so, right yeah, so I'm, right I'm really ha happy about that. Um, so, yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> so, look for a drink next, when you uh, celebrate a win. <laughs> I, I I hope so. Yeah. Um, but, so, my next question: Not can they, but will a live player win a major this year? Uh if, if I've got th two of them in the top five players in the world, um, you know, there's, the, the odds are that, yes, one of them will. Um, could Ram win a couple? Could Rory win a couple? Perhaps um, could someone stand out and go, I've just had a hero year, a bit like Colin Morikara a couple of years ago. Maybe. Um, but the live guys that are coming back have another thing to play for that they never had before. They have this enormous chip on their shoulder, plus... It's basically a golden ticket back into Charlie's Chocolate Factory because once you get a five-year exemption from winning a major, well, there's five more years I can play in majors. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I go win a major. I take care of business for another five years. I don't have to worry about exemptions. We're going to qualify for stuff. So that's another thing they bring with them. 
and it'll be this enormous chip that they'll have on their shoulder, a bit like our boy Tommy Brady did his entire career. No one thought I was good enough. Um, And he just operated with this giant chip on his shoulder. So to answer your question short, yeah, I'll back a live player to win a major this year. I'm with you on that. Um, Adam Scott, does he ever get his second major? I hope so. (laughs) Do I love that bloke? He is just an absolute legend of a human and golfer. Um, When he won the Masters, what it did for Australian golf, again, the the giving nature this guy has, I would dearly love him to win another major, but I think the odds of him doing that are against him rather than with him. But he could have one of those weeks, a bit like Phil had at uh, Kiowa, a bit like Ernie when Ernie pipped him for that open at Mm-hmm. Uh, 2012 at Lytham and St Anne's, uh, which ultimately inspired him to go and win the green jacket the following spring. So, look, th- there could be one of those just glory weeks that he puts together and, and grabs it. I hope so. And I hope <clears throat> it's the Open Championship. I really hope he gets a claret jug because that's the one he wants the most. I bet him at this one for 70 to 1. I don't know if it's going to be better later or not, but I just have a feeling. Do you think having Williams on the bag helps? Yeah, absolutely. Stevie's been the best thing for Scotty in his career. Um, the, the thing, because that was the time I uh, covered uh, the Aussies on the tour a lot was when Stevie took over Adam's bag. What Stevie brings to Adam, because Adam's such a nice guy, he doesn't have the eye of the tiger. No. Uh, he doesn't have that, I will stare straight through you. I'm going to um, kill you out there on the course. He's like everyone's best mate. There's not one person will say something bad about Adam Scott because he just wants to be everyone's friend and when he's out on the course yeah he's trying to win but he doesn't have that John Rahm killer instinct he doesn't have that I am going to mash you all on the way to the title he doesn't have Tigers you know I'm winning at all costs mentality so he's up against that every time he tees off but Stevie brings that because Stevie he never wants to lose he is I haven't flown from New Zealand to this tournament to win in fact he sacked adam scott as a player how many caddies sack a player <laughs> it's always the other way around he sacked adam scott i said i can't caddy for you anymore if you're not gonna aim up in these big ones i can't i can't do it but after a few years he's missed the, the game and the limelight and his job sharing he's like yep let's go again so he's obviously bringing a, a layer to adam this year but will he get him over the line it's going to be a lot tougher yeah um and the rippers do you like that team name <laughs> yeah, a lot of people say, oh, it's strippers. That's what strippers is. The rippers, we're off to the rippers. It's like, no, it means you're a ripper bloke in Australia. Um, you know, Cam Smith is a ripper bloke. As you saw after he won the Australian PGA, he's the people's champ. You know, he's on the shoulders of his mates in the bar, having a drink, watching his winning putt. And, you know, he's a ripping bloke. So the rippers over punch, and, and I know why punch was chosen, because Australians like to punch above their weight. Uh, so it's a boxing parlance. We'll punch above our weight. We'll make it from Australia because the odds are against us already. But, you know, the Rippers, you know, I, I think that's more Cam's style. Yeah, great. Um, and last thing we'll talk about, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, mm. Who do you think is going to play well in this big, awesome, uh, you know, both of us love the PGA Tour. We we were excited for this event. It's going to be one of the best events. It's the, you know, the, the major in the winter. It's, it feels like this year with this event. So what do you think about, uh, you know, this week? It might be bigger than the Players' Championship this year. People might look at me and go, are you kidding? It's the Players. It's the fifth major. So it's no longer the fifth major. Uh, it can't be. This this field is so strong that there's no Monday qualifiers able to fit in. They've had to go past the amount of people they wanted in the field to get all those 125 already previously exempt. Uh, so they had – everyone wants to play in it. And why wouldn't you? It's an elevated event. The weekend of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl's in Phoenix as well. So you can have this almighty weekend of sports. Um, it's going to be enormous. And honestly, you look last year, this is where Scotty Scheffler got on his run. He won the first of his four victories mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour and took it off to a green jacket and became the player of the year and number one and all these things. Um, but the person who I picked for this year to be that person is John Rahm, and he's already won twice. Um, obviously, an ASU boy, he's got great roots in Arizona. He's playing the best goal of his life. And he's operating with a bit of a chip on the shoulder too. So my, my pick this week is John Rahm. My pick to win the Masters is John Rahm. My pick to win the FedEx Cup is John Rahm. My pick to lead Europe in the Ryder Cup is John Rahm. Uh, I just I think it's John Rahm's year. He's played in this event, I think, seven times, and he's never finished worse than 16th. 
Yeah. So he's yeah. always there. Yeah. And that was what, what did he tie fifth when he was in college? It was yeah. tied six or something like that. What was he? He was right up there in his, as a college player. Yep. That was his, that now was his best start fifth. It's been, been between fifth there and 16th. Um, so yeah, he's, he's obviously a great pick. Um, I like uh, Hideki there. He's played so well. He's played so well at that place. He's won it twice. He's like 28, 30 to one. I think is great. And then um, uh, I think more is starting. You see the, those uh, approach numbers, the irons coming, starting to come back. Yeah. So it might be yeah. a good spot for him too. He and Shoffley, both of those two are just doing this again. Mm-hmm. And whoever you know, gets it done, will get it done. But yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many guys that are playing great golf, but what a week it's going to be. And the Waste Management Phoenix Open had to create a stadium hold to give it energy because no one talked about it. It was just glossed over in this West Coast swing. Mm-hmm. Now it is, other than Riviera, the biggest event on the West Coast now. It is the, until the Masters, it'll be the Waste Management Phoenix Open, Riv, players, and then the Masters. That'll be the big four events for the, to start the year and the- on the tour. It always produces the drama too. The finishing stretch is great. You always get the good players in the mix. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. You know, you'll know the cream's going to rise to the top. You're going to get a, a great yeah. finish. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, well, look at the names of who've won there. Look at the names. Yeah. Yeah. Brooks. Yeah. You know, the the Ricky one yeah. was crazy. Uh, you know, he yeah. gets the penalty yeah. there and then yeah. comes back and wins. That was awesome. Grace chasing Just him down. Look at the, the names tells you everything. The best players win. And those, those courses, um, and it, it, it's an unbelievable finish. Water everywhere, so if you've got any kind of nerves, it's going to expose you. You've got to step into that that cauldron on sixteen and face the the music. Um, you've got to stand up and hit a golf shot when it matters. I mean, if you play that golf course any day of the week outside of that tournament, that sixteenth hole is the most nondescript par three you'll ever see. Yep. But we all know it because it's got a stadium around it. How good is that for golf? Why wasn't there more of that? Lives, you know, basically bring the same kind of energy. What's wrong with this? There's nothing yeah. wrong with it at all. It's great. Um, so, so yeah, both of us looking forward to the event, both huge PGA Tour fans. Got to reiterate that. Um, that's the, yeah, just, say that again. Just say that again so people yeah. can truly understand it. <laughs> I am not the enemy, guys. I love the PGA Tour. I just love all golf. And my final statement on all that, if you would humor me, Matt, yeah. is I am for the player. I've always been for the player. Anyone who has the ability to play this game at the elite level, deserves as many opportunities they can get to play it. And by Liv coming in and bringing more money into the game through the Saudis, that has given all these opportunities all around the world for more people to do what they do. And it, that is just a win for the game. That is a win for players because, and, and hear me when I say this, any player you've ever played with in your local club who might be a baller, who might be a plus five handicap or, you know, an elite amateur or a great college player or whatever, they're not a candle, they don't hold a candle to the guys on the PGA Tour. They, these guys are plus 10 handicappers or better. That's how good they are. Yep. Yeah, you're a- absolutely right. And I uh, I appreciate your time. Really like talking to you. Uh, hopefully we can maybe do this again sometime, maybe towards the major season. Uh, but thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure, Matt. And thanks for having me, man. It's good to connect. All right, I'll talk to you. Just tap it in. Just Tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room.